I'm Jamie. And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, everyone. Today, I decided to purposely put on my lens (laughs) for all the human behavior we are going to be talking about today, especially because we are talking about something that does hit very close to home to me. I'm very excited to discuss this movie with you guys in the cultural things that are this movie. We are talking about the 2022 horror comedy film, The Blackening. Pick a card. At least we know it's working. <laughs> Probably runs on racism. <laughs> now that is one battery that ain't dying no time soon. Oh, that's so powerful. Pick a card. Okay, calm down, I just did. Yeah, you better watch how you talking to my lady, okay? Okay. What you got? You are a black character in a horror movie. Prove that you can stay alive. Name one black character that survived a horror movie. You must answer correctly. Or you die. The oh, so this is just an aggressively themed trivia game. Hold up. Were they even in horror movies when this game was created? Baby, you're thinking too much about this, all right? I know the answer. It is Jada Pinkett, Omar Epps, Scream 2. Boom, Sambo. First to die. What are you talking about? I honestly think that the studio didn't have the budget to keep him the whole movie. Mm-hmm. That's why they had to die first. <laughs> and if you guys, so it's it it's 2022 because I think it played at a festival last year or something like that. Yeah. But like its wide release uh, is 2023. A lot oh, of horror like, movies, like uh, just a little a little producer Brian here. Uh, a little weird <laughs> thing is that. Because a lot of horror movies are so low budget, they play at a lot of smaller festivals the year before because they need distribution, they need a studio, whatever the case may be. So on like IMDb and on Wikipedia, a lot of these like say that these are from the year before because they technically had like a release in some ways. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, like like uh, like sick was twenty twenty two, but it came out in twenty twenty three. Like it's very interesting, especially with horror movies. Anyway, that was that was just uh, an annoying producer thing. Thank you. Have a nice day. <laughs> well, I mean, no, that's very true because I don't think twice about it. Mostly because I never know what day, what time, what year I am in, what space I am in because I'm moving around so much. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even think about twenty twenty two. I just you know Wikipedia. What yeah. does it say, you know? And but that absolutely makes sense. <laughs> but it's interesting because, like, as a as a crazy person, I need <laughs> to like categorize it as something. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yes. like it's like when we get to the end of the year and we're talking about like favorite horror comedies from this year or whatever. Like, I don't want to not have to include it because it technically came out in twenty twenty two. You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. But wide release twenty twenty. Wait, hold on. I'm the only one without glasses on. Let me do that again. Wow. 2022, man. There we go. <laughs> For all you YouTube watchers, you enjoyed that. For all you podcast listeners, check out the YouTube because I did funny things with my glasses. <laughs> we all got glasses on now. 
Where's his glasses? Yeah, he can't see without his glasses. glasses. <laughs> I've never seen that movie. You've never seen that movie? <laughs> nah. Jamie. <laughs> Too busy watching horror movies only. Oh, I mean, fair, but also <laughs> that is the movie of our generation. I mm. mean, I cried so much as a young child watching it on probably what, Lifetime or TLC when it used to come yeah. on TV. But also like her father owns a funeral home and there's like very horrifying things in the movie. So maybe, very maybe My Girl is a horror movie in some ways. <laughs> I'll take it. That's that's our uh, introduction <laughs> into into horror. My girl, <laughs> via my girl. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, but today we are talking about the Blackening, which came out wide release twenty twenty three, and it is directed by Tim Story and written by Tracy Oliver and Dwayne Perkins, and it is based on the two thousand eighteen short film of the same name by the comedy troupe Three Peat. Which what a great comedy troupe name! I would love to be a part of that group. Also, <laughs> but then they would have to change the name. Well, okay, so here's the thing, because... <laughs> I'm assuming there's three people in the group. Right, but in this short film, there are just as many people as are in this actual film. Like, there are about eight or nine people. So, like, mm. maybe they just wrote it and, and produced it, or whatever the case may be. The three peats, the three people, but there were, like, eight people in the short. Which leads me to my next question. Did you guys ever watch the short post- or pre this movie, or know about Mm-mm. it? No. The I think th- I I knew about it, but I didn't watch it, and I wasn't sure where to find it. Okay, so it's on YouTube uh, for those okay. who want to just watch it. It's like a quick five, probably not even five minute, um, little short, uh, and it's the same name, the same premise, kind of the same or exactly the same jokes as well. Um, mm which I think is why they put a lot of jokes in the trailer because it was the same as what was already known mm. from the short. Um, I would like to say for them so that I don't say trailer failure <laughs> for this. And uh, it, I forgot when, well, in 2018, but I think I saw it in like, pr- like pandemic time. It was mm. making its rounds because everyone was just on their computer. Yeah, and I remember... Yeah watching it multiple times and sharing it on my own like social media. And so I thought it was hilarious. So when I saw that they were actually doing a full length feature film about it, I was super stoked. So all that to say, really good. If you haven't watched the short to of where all of this came from, it is all on YouTube, just YouTube, the blackening and it'll come up. So cool. this one though, it stars Grace Byers, Jermaine Fowler, Melvin Gregg, X Mayo, what a name Perkins, <laughs> <laughs> Antoinette Robinson, Sinqua Walls, Jay Farrow, who has wonderful impressions, by the way, and Yvonne Orgy. So obviously spoilers for everything that is the blackening and trigger warnings, Jamie, please tell us. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a spooky movie, so spooky things are afoot. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> what a good afoot. Like what an amazing like phrase like you know I I I I I want to figure out who like I know Sherlock Holmes said it but like did he invent that was that a, was that a thing back then like was it before you then it? maybe a foot we go through triggers I'll look up a foot <laughs> uh, well the, be careful now, I know now I'm gonna get <laughs> foot fetish videos oh my god hey no free feet round here no, no free feet on gotta pay pay for those babies yeah. <laughs> Those grippers. Um, 
Good. Uh, triggers, triggers, yes. Um, so there is some insides on the outside in more ways than one, like vomit trigger. Um, <laughs> not just gore trigger, vomit trigger. Oh, did you find a foot? I did. I'll give you one guess who invented it. Shakespeare. Yeah. Oh. In right. Henry the Fourth, he first used the phrase, before the game is afoot, thou still let us slip. Okay. Cool. Honestly, I like, yeah, it. I guess so. Like, I was looking for something more exciting. Like, somebody tripped and they said it was this and then, and it would written down. But I was like, no, Shakespeare, like, needed to kind of rhyme something. Put it in iambic <laughs> right. pentameter. He's like, I guess we can, afoot. Uh, Anyone said that before? Okay, well, afoot. Uh, That's good. <laughs> right. Uh, foot. <laughs> Same sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so there's a gore warning. Although, again, what is this? What is this rated? PG Should we say what it's rated? has to be. Because it it's not be, super right? gory. No. Again. Um, like, they don't, I feel like they kind of hold back a lot. It's R. Oh, I guess R for language. Yeah. Um, yeah but not really for, like, violence. Okay, okay. This isn't a particularly violent movie. There's a lot no. of, like, references to violence. Like, there's a sequence towards the end where one of the characters is, like, beating one of the killers to death. And, like, she's getting sprayed with stuff. But you mm. don't actually see the, like, the gore face, itself, I yeah. would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so just to kind of like set the tone of like how much inside on the outside we're seeing and getting. Um, but, you know, there is a, a puke trigger warning. There's a drugs trigger warning. Um, there's references to sex. Uh, there's references. There's a gun. There's uh, arrows. <laughs> arrows. Yeah. Going through things. But also this movie is about you know, like being a person of color, being a black person. So there's a lot of uh, like discussions about racism. There's a lot of language using the N word. Um, mm. Did I miss anything? I don't think, I don't think so. so. I think that pretty much covers it. Yeah. But it's definitely more language than gory things. I don't, there's not even really a lot of like jump scares either. So. Beauty. Well, producer Brian, do you have some words for us before we jump into the blackening? Sure, I've got some things afoot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're on. Feeds. We're on. We're all. We're almost at fifteen k on TikTok. At Talk Horror Pod, find us there. We're we've been at, we've been there for so do long. It. Do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're we're getting there. <laughs> Um, we've got some good videos lately go pretty viral, so that's exciting. Today's one viral, well, viral-ish, so that was good. Um, nice. But definitely find us there. It's We're having a great time. You can also find us on Twitter. and it, The time. best time. The best <laughs> time. Did everyone hear that? You're missing out on the best time. We're also <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram having the best time uh, at um, talk horror pod uh and then we're on youtube you can see us there hi youtube uh that's super fun as well and uh coming up at the end of june beginning of july on tiktok um i will be counting down um all of the movies that i've seen in the first half of the year in order uh of uh my least favorite to my favorite and as a spoiler alert uh as of today i've seen 27 
uh, new horror movies. Uh, that's exciting. Twenty twenty three. So that's that's pretty wild. Um, but yeah, that's all. Back to you, Nikisha and Jamie. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, I do want to shout out Jamie because her birthday just passed. So. Woo! Hey girl, hey, happy birthday. Happy birthday. I really tried to make it by Barrel birthday song. I don't know why I did that. I guess I'll keep going. Happy birthday. It's your birthday, yeah. Happy birthday. We're watching movies, yeah. It's your birthday year after year. It gets even better year after year. It's your birthday. Happy birthday. Do 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 happy birthday. I think it's that was a great. Hit. I think we have a I think we have a hit. That's thank it. you. Thank Record you. Record no, that, thank baby. You. That was Spotify a tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a bop. Fantastic. Uh, well, yes, let's get into all of this. We need a plot summary. What's the plot? Um, which I will volunteer as tribute for this. Yeah, definitely need you to do that. We saw it a while ago. <laughs> So, uh, but this, I just have to say that trying to describe this movie is hard. It's going yeah. to be hard. Yeah. 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 I because know you're just I, like setting expectations and, you know, that's fine. But <laughs> no, no. You're, I just but, want you guys to know how hard this is. My anxiety is on 10, and, but we're going to do it. And I'm not going to name a name, but no, you're still no, going to understand no, 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 everything no. that I'm saying. You will know what this movie is about when I'm done. But this is the perfect Example of what we've talked about previously of like there's a setup, things happen, there's a payoff, and like exactly, yeah. So I believe in you, yeah. We're gonna do it, we're gonna make it happen. Wait, what does your shirt say? Just a girl who loves movies. (laughs) I'm glad you brought it up. Just a girl who loves WWE wrestling. I thought it said movies. I was expecting you to show it, and it was going to say, like, horror movies, just a girl who loves horror movies. But, like, no. Mm -mm. Talk about black people not being a monolith. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) WWF wrestling was my jam when it was an F before it became an E. And we bought these shirts on Amazon uh, (laughs) so that we could wear them when we went to the WWE wrestling match in Wichita, Kansas. Because that's the only thing you could do in Wichita is go to wrestling. And we did and had a great time. It's wonderful. (laughs) I could listen to you do that accent the entire day. (laughs) Fun time, guys. You will never hear that from me again. Okay. (laughs) One time exclusive. (laughs) One time. All right. So is anybody going to time me? We're going to do this? I got you. I think I'm going to be less than two minutes, honestly. Yeah, that's fine. Three, two, one, plot. Okay, we open up. There is a black couple in a cabin in the middle of the woods, already a no-no. They find a game room in the cabin, and it's called The Blackening. And so they're, like, playing for shits and giggles, and then they answer a question wrong. One of them dies. One of them disappears. We don't know where the other one went. So then we cut to there's a group of seven or eight people that are coming to meet. They all went to college together, and they're going to this exact same cabin just to reconnect. It's a reunion. They're playing games. They're having spades. 
kids uh, playing spades doing all the black things, and then the power goes out, right? And so then they're trying to find the fuse box, but then they find the game room, because that's the only room that's open, and they find the game. And so they're like, well, what is this? And then they see their friend who disappeared at the beginning is tied up. They have to play the game to release her. So then they're trying to answer all the questions. They answer a lot of them, but then they got one wrong. And so the killer who tied up the first friend at the very beginning says, okay, sacrifice the blackest person, and then I will let this person go. I'll let you all go free. And so they sacrifice Clifton, who's also kind of like the odd man out in the bunch anyway. And so they see him die, air quotes, and then they the killer is trying to kill all the rest of them anyway. They find out there are two killers, and they kill them, and then they end up finding Clifton, but he's not dead. He's the one that planted the whole thing at the very beginning because he was mad that they didn't teach him how to play spades, and for that, he got depressed and drank a lot and then drove while drinking and then hit uh, and killed a woman and was in prison for four years. So he planned this entire thing to get back at that friend group. And so eventually, because six is more than one they all kind of attack him and kill him and throw him down a well in the cabin and they um all survive except for the first two at the beginning and they can't call the police because black people they'll probably get arrested and so they call the firemen but then the firemen (laughs) put a hose on them and then that's the end of the movie (laughs) whoa so that is uh, the blackening. That's the plot. Fantastic. So, obviously, this was a new release, so we saw it all in movie theaters. I would just like to point out that, uh, like Jamie, my birthday is in June, Cancer Babies hashtag. And so, as kind of a pre birthday thing, I invited a lot of my castmates to come and watch this movie with me. Uh, in the middle of the day. So that was a really fun experience having a variety of races and people and experiences coming to see this. And, you know, it was um, really fun to hear non people of color, non black people's reaction to this because they all still like had a really good time and it was really fun. So um, we had a great time at, at the movie theater. Did y'all have a packed house when y'all saw it? Was there a yeah. lot of folks or was it pretty chill? No, it was packed. We went no, th- that Thursday night. Busy. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. Okay, cool. So, yeah, let's get into our first segment of likes and gripes. And now our likes and gripes. I had like a brain fart for a second. Excuse me. Brain <laughs> so fart. What are, we doing? what are we doing? At least brain farts aren't stinky, you know? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. How do we kick? How do we kick him from the from the recording? No, don't go do sit Teddy on him. Right. Yeah, he, he, no, he's too tired. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, Jamie, do you want to start with your likes and gripes of this movie? Yeah, sure. I'll get started. Um, <laughs> I had a really, <laughs> I had a really great time. Um, for one, I love Yvonne Orji. Um, I watched all of Insecure. If you haven't watched Insecure, you absolutely need to get on that because it's an excellent TV show that ended. So, like, you don't have to watch, like, a bajillion seasons. So there you go. Um, So I love that, like, this, the whole setup and, like, 
this all just feels like a big ode to Scream. Yes. And, and like, you know, I like that they have two pretty big stars in the beginning. Not, like, playing themselves, but just, like, you know, two very well-known actors who are in the beginning, and then we lose them, like, immediately in the beginning, and then you have the rest of the cast of characters. Mm-hmm. Felt very Scream, like, ode to Scream. I loved that. Um, I... I, I know that sometimes I switch back and forth between likes and gripes, so I'm trying to be, like, more consistent in my brain. Um, but my brain <laughs> is you? fighting against no, it, I'm so I, too, to just wrong. had a brain fart. I'm happy um, I know, but, like, it's it's hard. My I don't know. My brain my brain is – it's the end of the day. He, you know. They're, seeping they're, out the side. I'm, I'm, I'm patting it, like, <laughs> hey, you good in there? Um, <laughs> Uh, the jokes are funny. Like I love, I love horror comedies and Mm -hmm. this is a very funny movie. Um, and I also liked the, the horror elements again, like it's not, there's so many tropes in this movie, but they're still feeling fun and fresh. Nothing Mm -hmm. feels tired and boring. Um, like I'm, I was engaged throughout this whole movie. Um, one of my favorite jokes in the whole thing was, uh, them talking about how one of them got death threats that day or like that week because they tweeted that the O'Reilly's theme song is like more culturally relevant than the uh, national anthem Star Spangled Banner yeah or something like that yes and then they start singing it but not only was that the funniest moment uh (laughs) the entire theater started also singing along my movie going experience they all sang along to the O'Reilly's theme song which really made it stand out. That moment that. in that movie theater is a top five movie going experiences I've ever had. Like no yeah. one hesitated. <laughs> the second that the character took the breath to sing o- O'Reilly's auto parts, yes. the entire audience, <laughs> black, white, like it did not matter. Everybody sang that theme song along with the screen and it just brought so much joy to everybody. And then we all laughed at it too. And like right. I, the movie left enough space, like almost assuming that you do that in a the theater. It was truly incredible. I love that. It's yeah. like Avengers Endgame and the Blackening. Like, <laughs> like, it was amazing. Where the whole theater is just like we raucous were, and into it. And yeah. they're locked into whatever is happening. Everybody's um, on the yeah. same the vibe, the same wavelength. Yeah. It was really, really yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Which is so funny because we had a similar experience with that. But it was in a moment where I didn't think what happened because it was something that already was in the trailer. And it was when they turned the gun around when he was like on the side and the guy was like, uh-uh, <laughs> straight up. <laughs> so you can actually aim. Yeah. And the whole mm-hmm. theater just lost it. And I'm like, well, y'all, that was in the trailer. Did you not watch the trailer? But also, cool, great. I'm glad that all of y'all are having a great experience <laughs> right now in this moment collectively. But yeah, I mean, sorry, really, ahead, like, <clears throat> no, the comedic beats were all excellent, even the ones that were in the trailer. But mm-hmm. like, I, I'm really glad that this was a movie where they didn't reveal too much. Um, I feel like there was a lot of substance that was still in the movie that wasn't, you know, given away by the previews. I know that we've talked about that. That's like a huge gripe of mine. Mm-hmm. I think of all of us. Um, mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I really like that there was like still so much more, which I think was part of why I was so engaged in this movie. And like really everyone like, again, lots of tropes with like characters, but, but everybody like played their part and they play their part really, really well, which I think still like, you know, 
blended together and and I just I really enjoyed all of them like I wanted to know more about their friendships I wanted to know more about their relationships like I believe that they were all back for this reunion that there was like tension in the past like I, you know I bought into all of it um this isn't a gripe per se but I 1000% guessed like who the ultimate mastermind was yeah mm-hmm. you know upon the beginning of this movie. The second. The second yeah. he appeared on screen, I'm like, oh, okay, it's this guy. Well, they yeah. came. Right. Nobody um, knows him. Nobody remembers him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Everyone's like being weird about him. Right. Um, what were you going to say, Brian? Oh, just to jump off of that, one of my gripes, and this is like a fake gripe, is everybody in this movie was played normally. He was played like Steve Urkel. And yes. that was distracting. Mm-hmm. And the tone of what he was doing was so vastly different from everyone else that it had to have been him. Also, her being surprised to see him in that store. Like, all of that, like, it had to be him. What, but my biggest gripe is not that I played him as Urkel, is I was deeply shocked that when they revealed him, he didn't, like, take off his glasses and be cool. Like, I really mm. expected him to be hmm. like, like, take off his glasses and be like, I was in prison. Not be like, well, I was in prison for this long. Like, I, I expected him to be like, listen, I... <laughs> I was in prison, but like he he made himself less assuming because like whatever whatever his reasons was, um, yeah. I was definitely he was just in a, the that performance was in a very different movie than everybody else, but he was still funny. Like his one liners were great, but like mm-hmm. that that's a gripe that I have based off of what Jamie said. Like immediately, I'm like, oh, it's that guy. Yeah, but that being said, like it's still it still didn't bother me. Like it didn't take away from my enjoyment of the movie. I still was curious of like, how do we get there? Like, I know that it's going to be him, but I'm invested enough to figure out like, when do we get to the big reveal? What is the big reveal? Cause that I, I couldn't have guessed. They didn't really give right. that information in that sense. I guess like it might have felt a little bit rushed at the end because like there wasn't anything else that really connected him, in my opinion, to this, like, the big finale reveal of, like, why he's doing any of this. Like, there mm. was no breadcrumbs in, whereas, like, in other in other similar films, or, like, in Scream, there's, like, breadcrumbs kind of throughout where, like, if you rewatch it, it's like, oh, here's, like, you know, they're, they're starting to allude to, like, other weird things, and then you figure out, like, who the killers are kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, but on the other hand, like maybe they are based on kind of how the group is engaging. Like they talk about the spades conversation and like that I feel like is the closest that connects back to it. But like him drinking or not drinking or like any of that stuff, I feel like didn't really connect with anything else. But yeah. I, I mean, spades is clearly like a huge theme in this movie um, and him asking if he could play and nobody <laughs> willing to offer hit, to teach him how mm-hmm. to play, um, which like, again, is what resulted in, in his, uh, demise to begin with, um, is thematic, but have any of you played spades? Yeah. Huh, I, I am a Clifton and <laughs> in the sense that, <laughs> They used to play in in high school band. I will never forget. They always played spades all the time, but they would never teach me and they would never teach anybody. They were just like, you have to watch 
because nobody like <laughs> I don't know I don't understand how space became so just culturally black but like it is a thing of life or death it's like playing uno you know like for the millennial mm. generation like mm-hmm. life or death and so <laughs> you have to know how to play and there's no like practice rounds like let's figure it out yeah. it's like no people have rivalries people are like in it to win it and so all that to say I kind of know how to play but I mm. don't so sure, sure. don't ask me to be on your team because I will probably <laughs> renege and you will probably want to fight me so it's all good <laughs> I used to play a lot when I was in like middle school and high school and I don't remember mm-hmm. how I learned I just learned like it is yeah. weird like I have no memory I just like knew and then know how to play like I don't know how I was gifted with this knowledge, Um, but it is important to have a good teammate. So not just knowing how to play, but yeah, having a good teammate. So I'm sure also like just Clifton being on the outsider anyway, like not having a partner there. Right. Cause it was Mm -hmm. an even Mm -hmm. number of people with with his, him being the exception. So yeah, I feel like, um, you know, he was doomed from the start, but, uh, yeah, I would say, Overall, I really, really enjoyed this movie. The ending felt a little bit rushed, but I had a great, excellent, very fun time. Wonderful. Brian? Um, Sure. Uh, I agree with Jamie on almost every account. Uh, O'Reilly's Auto Parts is like a top five moment in a movie theater for me. Um, I (laughs) like that it was Juneteenth. I think it set a tone. Um, You know, and, and this movie was... I love that this movie was a comedy and not a parody. It never yes. felt like a scary movie, but it was an it was it was a genuine comedy with its own plot with really good characters and character work. Um, the specific cultural humor was really funny, and it was made funnier because they went all in. It wasn't this mm-hmm. half-assed like like like. Oh, I think this is what this is. Like, it was very confident in the jokes it was telling. Um, the jokes were rapid fire and very funny. It didn't feel like a sketch that overstayed its welcome. There have been a lot of SNL right. movies that feel that way. This did not feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, I liked... Uh, one of the things I liked, just a little plot point, I liked that they undid the signal blocker to hear the cell phone notifications to see where they are. Yes. I don't know if I've <laughs> seen clever. that. And I've always seen people like, we gotta we gotta unblock our cell phone so we can call out. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen the bad guy turn it off to hear where, like, the 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 notifications are the coming dings. from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that mm-hmm. was super clever. Um, <laughs> this movie knows exactly what it is and never deviates. It, it's it, its point is to like be funny while questioning your blackness and like and your friendships and all of that and it ne- even in plot even in reveal it never steps away from that and I really appreciated that and um and like Jamie said even though it was very predictable it never undercut the amount of fun I was having right um and then my last uh, like is that they all survived I really love that. I liked mm-hmm. all these characters. It would have been really sad if someone went, but the, and 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 I think that added to the humor of it too. Um, that yeah. they, they were all able to. Gripes: the third act wasn't as strong as one and two, like Jamie said. It was very predictable, but that didn't bother me as much. Um, the editing was pretty weird in some places, uh, specifically. Um, 
when she like is going to attack the assailant and like the candlestick hits the wood beam and then he slips on the rocks in the house. That whole editing mm. was like very poorly done in my opinion. Um, the mystery felt rushed, like Jamie said. Like, how am I supposed to like? Not that I was supposed to pick it up, but like, Clifton is in the um uh is in the bodega or the the the, the gas station with the mm-hmm. the the with one of the twins, and then the twins are in the picture of the white people in the house. Like that, like that's just like stuff that you'll get on the second time round. But like, I just felt like the right. mystery was very sped up. Like Jamie said, um. Many of the showdowns with the with the assailants felt redundant. Every time they met one, it felt like the same thing over and over again. Um, no, oh, I said no doofy reveal. I really thought it was going to be a doofy reveal. Mm, uh, uh-huh. um, um, uh, oh, and also, like, did you notice that when she was in her in the basement with the cell phone, the flare? The like camera flare on the cell phone took across, took the whole yep, screen. Yeah, the whole up. entire screen. That yes. was just like real bad. That was like a that was a <laughs> cinematography issue because like yeah. it was refl- she was behind someone and the flare was in front of everybody. It w- that 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 did not work for me. Um, and then some of my funniest favorite moments were um, uh, the puke was absolutely hilarious. Uh, <laughs> yes, Kiki Palmer <laughs> retweeted me. Was very funny. Um, yes. Uh, what's the line? Um, a black gay person, just a white person rolled up in dicks or whatever he said. And oh, yeah. Like, yes. He yeah. Said, said my mom says that gayness is just a whiteness white wrapped up in a bunch wrapped of dicks. Up whiteness dicks. wrapped up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, whiteness wrapped up in a bunch <laughs> of dicks. Yes. That was, and he's like, and he's like, right now I agree with her. Like, it was so <laughs> funny. It was, yes. ama- it was, that was such a great, he had, he's, his lines and his deliveries were amazing. Perfect. And then my mm-hmm. favorite question of all the questions were were the were the, was the Fresh Prince and Viv question where they're all yes. doing Fresh Prince <laughs> math. I was like, well, Nikki was born in season four, so okay. that Nikki. Right. And then Tatiana started singing in this yeah. season, so she was this old. Yeah. Like truly, so so oh. funny. Um, and then, uh, oh, something else about our movie theater. People were taking pictures of the screen a lot in our movie theater. I don't know what? why. There were a lot of flashes, whatever. But, um, yeah, I just really dug the hell out of this movie a, a, a lot. Yeah. No, I agree with everything y'all are saying. I will say that my expectation for this movie was so low. Um, hmm. Just because sometimes, and I was having a, a conversation with one of my other black friends about this too like when you see some of these kinds of movies you there's a certain expectation that it might be kind of like a a c level d plus level kind of movie like because i i see that and i think about the like made for tv bet movies or stuff like that sure sure even though i was familiar with a lot of these actors and not just the first two but Mm -hmm. two of the girls are in um shows that I love. One is called Harlem. That's on Amazon Prime. And the other one was Dear White People, mm. uh, the mm. Netflix show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was really happy to see like them doing this uh, uh, theatrical release of this movie. Uh, but I, I honestly just thought like, well, I, I know that I'll have a good time because of like these references, but I don't think that it's going to hold up as an entire story. Also, with no having seen the short film, sure. it was like, how are you going to draw this out and it be good? Um, mm. And even that wrapped up in dicks, like that joke is from the short, uh, mm. and mm. is like 
super hilarious just in the delivery of it and like the things that he says after that too. Uh, but I had a great time and I thought that this was very well made, very well written. Um, I enjoyed the acting and the actors and I absolutely enjoyed all of, I mean, the icing on the cake is all of the black references that you do get. Um, because one of the other questions I really loved was the one that they got wrong about the watching Friends and how many black people were on Friends. Yes. And then it was like, <laughs> no, the answer is we don't watch Friends. We watch Living mm-hmm. Single. And it's like, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, that, that is it. And that's the joke. And um, so, yeah. And I also just really enjoyed the fact that in everything that happened didn't feel like... Even though it was a trope, I think it was done very well mm-hmm. because I didn't feel like, oh, stereotypical, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, no, they're doing this for a purpose and they're like putting it on its head. It's like we're showing you the tropes and the stereotypes, but also showing you like black people aren't a monolith and like all the different varieties of what black people can be and what blackness means, um, which I really appreciated. Um, I also will say I absolutely would have failed that game because I didn't even realize there were multiple verses to lift every voice and sing. And wow, that <laughs> I heard that is the first time in my well, life that I heard the second verse well, of that song. So that scene was really interesting to me because I think the choices that this movie made of who knows the answers to which questions were very specific. And mm-hmm. it felt like the one person who was um, half black, half white. Yes. knew the other verses because it seems like in their life, like the backstory to me read really well that they had Absolutely. to do extra work to prove their blackness because they're Absolutely. only half. And that came across mm-hmm. in her character the entire time. I just thought a lot of that character work, like both from the writing and from the acting was like really clear between the lines. Um, and that's an, that's an excellent moment of like how it struck me when watching this. Yeah. And yeah, I think they did really well on just like hitting on all of those those different points in talking about mental health as well and talking about just like the the different friendships and, you know, the codependency of it all. And I will say um, Dwayne, who was the one that th- did the throw up and was he was mm-hmm. my favorite character of the whole thing. He had the best mm-hmm. One-liner that thought his delivery was wonderful. He also reminds me of Demarius Copes, Brian. I was oh. watching that entire movie, and I was like, "Oh, this is Demarius." Yeah, that's that. <laughs> they are the same person. Yeah, that's but yes, absolutely. Uh, check out Demarius' yeah. his episode on Broad Wasted, another one of our episode, uh, <laughs> podcasts. And if you're in New York, you can go see him in Some Like It Hot. Mm. Hey. And how? Which is a wonderful Broadway show. But yeah, overall, I agree with all of you. I had a great time because my expectations were so low. This delivered tenfold for me, and I just really enjoyed all of the references, seeing all the actors that I really enjoy, and um, just also having the experience of enjoying this comedy with other people in my cast. So I loved it. Wonderful time. Um, Fun 10 out of 10 time for me. I have one more like and one more gripe before we move into the next segment. Yes. You may. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Uh, My like, well, I'll start with my gripe, is I think that um, there could have been more clarity in the fact that the pill that she took was like Adderall or whatever it was. Mm, um, mm-hmm, mm. I, I don't think that that came across until a little bit later, until they actually said it. I think that when she takes the pill because she was, you know, um, impaled or whatever it was, like I, I would have appreciated a little bit more clarity there and, and just in showing what was happening. Um, and then 
Nikki, so you referenced it a little bit. That one line about how, like, bringing mental health and therapists, like, into the black community or, where, like, we're making differences, that really got yes. us. That that really got yes. us in the theater. Oh, we didn't even talk about um, Officer White. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. In this, too, which <laughs> them trying to put a red herring in the thing, but it's like, okay, like, mm-hmm. no, we know what, what the deal is, like, where it's going. But I mm. still appreciated um, him. <laughs> him saying because I'm just remembering this now like if I were invited to the cookout I still wouldn't come <laughs> yeah yeah. oh that was so funny that was really funny I that also like how absolutely. they like drop their their weapons and then when he's like come with me they like slowly go back down to pick exactly. them back up because they still don't really know if they can trust him yeah. but also a thing of in horror movies too of like where did your weapon go like pick it up mm, yeah. and let's go so it was like twofold and mm-hmm. just great yeah. Awesome. Well, let's go <laughs> on to our next section, which is mm, brains. brains. Mm. Taste it, taste it. <laughs> All right. So for mental health, I mean, this is a horror comedy, so it was really hard to kind of like have some talking points. <laughs> but there was one thing that I wanted to talk about, and it was between... The two friends, uh, Dwayne and then the, the girl, I think her name was Lisa, who was getting back together with her ex and him mm-hmm. just being like, I was there for you, like to help you. And then she was like, well, I didn't ask you to be there for me. And so, Jamie, can you just talk a little bit about showing up for your friends and the difference between like the codependency of feeling like you have to to help even though they didn't ask for help but also kind of mm-hmm. like setting up a boundary of like <clears throat> I am asking for your help or your advice yes please give it to me or like this is the boundary I'm staying away you know from that situation letting you handle it yourself yeah I mean something that makes me think of is how people like look for support and how the ways that we offer and like want to receive support can look mm-hmm. differently from person to person Um, you know, like for me, I like to, I'm not always looking for solutions. Um, you know, we've both discussed that we are both cancers birthdays Mm -hmm. in June. And so, you know, we might find ourselves to be more emotional and that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but when I'm like going through something or like, you know, processing something, sometimes the way that I look for support is like someone sitting in that, in those feelings with me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm not necessarily looking for, uh, like trying to problem solve. Like, I just want, I just want you to like, listen to me and like empathize with me and like be here with me. Mm -hmm. There isn't necessarily, maybe there is a solution, but like, that's not always what my, my preferred way of like getting support looks like. Um, Whereas, like, other folks might be looking for, like, okay, let's take action. Like, I want to problem solve. Like, let's see what we can do here. Um, And I think that just speaks to, like, what people offer and, like, and also what they want to receive looks differently in different relationships. Mm. Perhaps this is more of an indicator about, like, them not being on the same page about what each other needs within their relationship dynamic. Like outside of Lisa being cheated on and like needing, needing support, like what kind of support did she actually want or need in that moment? Like, did they talk about that? Um, Mm. 
you know, or did it kind of become this more codependent relationship out of convenience, um, you know, TBD, but like, that's kind of what it makes me think of that. Like a lot of times what I find is folks are like kind of processing conflict or tension around like miscommunications, but I'll often ask, like, have you actually talked about like what kind of support you want? Or like, have you ever asked your partner what kind of support they might need from you? Um, which like kind of sounds silly, but like, it seems obvious until you actually think about the question and realize like, oh, maybe we've never actually discussed that more like explicitly, but mm-hmm. that can often kind of help get to like where some of those not being on the same page situations might come into play and like how you can, res- you know, more effectively resolve them. Cause you can ask even in each situation, like even if you find out that someone prefers to troubleshoot and problem solve, Maybe, maybe they prefer that, but maybe that's not always what they're looking for in every single situation. Right. right. So like it's, it's worth kind of checking in when you're checking in with folks that you care about, just saying like, Hey, like I'm, I want to be here for you. How can I go about doing that? Like what would be most right. helpful for you in this moment? Because if someone else is going through something and you do want to be supportive, like put them in the driver's seat, like give them back some of that power so that they can decide mm. what they want and like how you can best support them. And it might suck if they, if they are needing something or wanting something or wanting space from you. And like, that's not what you want to hear in that moment, but also like, it's not necessarily about you, right? Like they're right. going through something, right. you're, you're looking to support them and maybe they just want support in a way that you're not used to, where you're not always the most comfortable with. And like, mm-hmm. you have to kind of address that on your own. But yeah, I, I find that that comes up a lot for, for folks in all kinds of relationships, not just right. romantic, but like in platonic relationships too. Um, I have a follow-up question to that. Let's say you like like these two. You've gone through it, like and and you help the person through. And in the moment, like there's no complaining or any of that kind of stuff. But like afterwards, because you're kind of like discovering something new with that person, like in this movie, and the other person's offended because they helped you through that. Is it fair to kind of call them out to say like, well, you, I didn't ask for your help. Like, does that feel more defensive? Like, because you're, you know, like, I, I guess like, can you talk a little bit about that dynamic? And like, is that from pent up, uh, pent up frustration at the person? Is that defensive? Like is, you know, and, and, and the other person, the one who helped you through it, like does getting back together with the person who, who may or may not have changed devalue what you did? Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, I think for the first part, it definitely reads as defensive. Like that reads as like, that reads as Lisa knows that she's going to get shit for getting back together with her ex who's already caused her pain in the past and like might catch some judgment. And like, as a result is kind of like going on the offense by being like, well, I didn't ask you for that. Like that just reads as like a very defensive response in that moment. Um, but I think like on the flip side, maybe like, maybe there is like built up resentment and other stuff there that's never been resolved. And so like, again, in this moment of tension, all of that like pent up shit kind of comes out in that moment. Mm -hmm. But like, I think, I think that's like a very like defensive response, especially cause like 
you know, how much control do you have over the actions of other people? Like if your friend had been cheated on several times by the same person and then again, they come back to you and they're like, oh, we were talking and mm-hmm. we're getting back together. Like you as the friend internally might kind of be like, oh God, like not this again. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, is it fair for you to then like tell your friend like, no, you shouldn't do this. Remember all of those other times that, like, you were in pain? Like, how do you want to be there for your friend? Sure. Do you want to tell them what to do? Do you want to support them and, like, you know, be compassionate and empathetic? Like, what's the yeah. balance between those things? Especially because ultimately, like, obviously you care. You don't want your friend to get hurt. But it is frustrating when you're, you know, as the friend, you're you're – watching someone you care deeply for go through something that like feels like it could be avoidable. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so it's like, I'm watching you continue, continuously put yourself in pain for what? Um, and like, that's frustrating as the observer. So like, I imagine that like there is annoyance and frustration, you know, on, on the friend side of things, not even the one going through it. So I think like figuring out how to strike a balance between hey, perhaps, you know, what, like, I'm here for you. I want to, I want to support you, whatever, um, you know, like, let me know. Or even you, you mentioned boundaries. It makes me think like, is there a way to create boundaries around like this particular topic in a friendship? If there's been tension in in the the past, um, maybe, maybe you like have a conversation where you're like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm really happy that you're happy because I, I love you and I care about you. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of would prefer to like not really talk about this um, just because it brings up a lot of stuff for me. Like whatever way that like you feel comfortable being authentic with a friend. But I think yeah. that there's a way where you can like say like, hey, I love you. You make whatever decisions you want to make. Um, but like I don't feel comfortable revisiting this topic you know absolutely it seems like it just boils down to really just communicating like exactly what your needs are and what your boundaries are in order to make sure that the other person knows exactly like what what you need from them yeah yeah Yeah. I think like communication plays a really big role in like probably most if not all of this right um but and and it goes both ways like again it's not just about like the person who's like oh, I'm getting back into this relationship. But like, mm-hmm. you know, the friend who support, like I've definitely been there for friends who have like gone through really challenging breakups. I'm sure I've been that friend that like mm-hmm. was relentless and like couldn't get over it. And like that was probably annoying for them. Yeah. Um, so so sorry to all of those friends out there. But <laughs> um, but again, it's like, you know, we can't control other people. Only other people can like, only they can control themselves. Only we can right. control ourselves. So, like, right. we have to figure out, you know, how important is this relationship to us? How do we want to support them? Whether we feel like we have the capacity to do. And, like, if we feel like it's, you know, too much, like, I think that it's okay to express that boundary. Like, set that boundary with that person mm-hmm. and let them know that you're not comfortable, like, talking about some of those things if it's, like, a sensitive subject for you. And like, if it's a, if it's a good friend, I feel like they should respect that boundary and not like push, you know, or like make you uncomfortable for not wanting to talk about it. So. Right. Yeah. 
No, yeah, that all makes sense. Great. Cool. Well, <laughs> <laughs> pretty straightforward, Jamie. Thank you. Uh, so my next question is in reference to earlier on in the movie, there the two males are having conversations, Namdi, and then I can't think of the other guy's name that's married to a white woman. They were talking mm-hmm. about just wanting to change and like what actual change is versus just kind of like the cycles and stuff. And so I just wanted to ask kind of a generalized questions about what does it look like to actually like change behaviors that aren't serving you? And if you go back into a cycle of, of doing uh, something again, like, is that a part of the process or is that really just like you're backtracking and you're not moving forward? Hmm. Oh man. I love talking about change. Um, yeah. Because I talk about it all day, every day. Yes, um, <laughs> I'm sure. But I mean, there's like a whole theoretical model that talks about change and like explains like the different phases that you can be in when you want to change a behavior. Mm. Um, it's called the trans theoretical model of change. Okay. Um, for those of for those of you that are curious, um, yes. but essentially, like you know, there's. Uh, there's like pre-contemplation where like maybe the behavior that you're doing, like you have no issues with it. Like there is nothing of concern for you. You're just like Mm -hmm. living life and like, that's just the way that it is. Then there's contemplation where like, maybe you're starting to question whether or not this behavior is serving you. You, There's more ambivalence there. Um, It's, you know, maybe there's still some things that you get from it, but there's other things that like are starting to cause some problems. Um, then there's the preparation phase at that point. You're like, Hey, I know this is not, this isn't great. I need to figure out how to do something different. Mm -hmm. Let me kind of figure out like what that's going to look like. Then the action phase where you're like actually working to create this change. Um, and then maintenance where you're like keeping it going. And then the favorite one that I love to talk about to remind people (laughs) of is the relapse phase, which I think Uh. is super important to talk about when you're talking about change, because like progress isn't linear. Even if we want, even if we're motivated to change something, like if only that motivation was like the only thing we needed, then therapy probably wouldn't even exist. And like, there would be no problems in the world. Um, that's true. But it's a lot harder than just like wanting to change. So the idea that like relapse is actually part of the cycle that we can shift within these phases because it's challenging to maintain or because like it's hard to take action or because like maybe again, like the, the benefits that we get from this behavior are, are superseding the, the cons then then relapse is going to happen, but that's part of the process. It doesn't mean that we we've lost the the skills that we've gained, the the strengths that we've made. Like we don't lose those things just because we're shifting within those phases. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a another really important piece to it. So all in all, um, it's really hard to change behaviors. Yeah. But uh, you know, starting small, um, you don't have to like go from zero to a hundred overnight. Mm-hmm. Um it's, it's like just about starting and then like you can kind of work your way up and build momentum. Yeah. 
No, that's great. I feel like I have heard about that cycle to some degree in my own therapy session. So mm. it's really nice to have that revisited again here because, again, this is just my own personal therapy session. And I think you genuinely appreciate it. <laughs> I'm, I, I definitely have troubles with the relapse part. Like if I, if I like start to bite my nails again or whatever the behavior changes, mm. like I just feel like I'm like a wild failure. Like it's very hard for me to like accept the fact that change is not is not linear and and mm-hmm. yeah and that's definitely tough and also going back to what you said like maybe 10 minutes ago um i'm a person when we're talking about like the help you need or the help that you can give somebody mm-hmm. jamie said like she needs someone to maybe sit with her in her feelings for a little bit like my i am as a gemini like half of me is i oh i solution immediately like if I'm I don't like to sit in those feelings because like sometimes they make me feel really terrible because that's like like so I try to solution immediately to like alleviate some of that that I know there's a way forward. So like it's definitely but sometimes I probably need to like sit in those feelings a little bit more. Um it also depends on the scenario. Um but um yeah, that's it. Yes. I will say I'm a Gemini moon. I don't know what that means for how I enter, like my relation to things, but I definitely... Didn't we do all of these before? We've done this. We've, We've figured this. out what all of our signs are. I'm so yes. mad that I can't remember them. <laughs> well, I remember mine because I just, I recently found a post that had like the most aggressive or like whatever signs and like all three of my placements were in that list of top Wait, five. Really? Yes. Who said I'm aggressive? I'll fight them. Well, right. They said cancers were number one. So wait, really? <laughs> yes. It Brian, was just some random aggressive? list, no. but it was like top five, like most aggressive. Are you signs. sure? Uh, like, are you I look very threatening. Um, well, I mean, I, I, I like wrestling and boxing. So I was like, okay, yeah, cool. That tracks. Well, I would say, <laughs> yeah, I just stew and have all of these thoughts internally and never express them. No, but, but I would, I would argue that you are, aggressive when you need to be like i don't fi- think that you're aggressive on the regular but like when you need put to like, be dukes. put them up put them up put them up uh <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> come back for our next podcast on <laughs> the horrors of being a cancer <laughs> beautiful um all right well, so Nikisha, that's all the questions i had i have questions yes. for you yeah. Um, can you talk? A, you mentioned before we started recording. Um, oh yes. You talked a little bit about kind of like being in black spaces and needing to prove your blackness and the like toll it can take on you. Can you? Can you? Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that and and how it's done in this movie and how it kind of connected with you in real life? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll say, I mean, of course, Clifton is like a caricature of like the ultimate anti, not anti-black, but like not black, black person, you know, and in the sense of he might not be kind of culturally with it, mm-hmm. it whether it be in how he dresses or how he talks, his slang, his lack of col- uh, black cultural references, like whatever, like whatever deems him not black enough. And I think that that is something that resonates with a lot of black people, especially like seeing now on social media, um, I mean, there's a whole group of people who just kind of talk about their love for things that are are not um, 
black culture, like liking rock music, you know, alternative music, or, you know, liking different things that aren't considered like part of, of black culture. And I just know from my own personal experience growing up, first off in the South. So there were already like, I was around more, um, non-black people than black people. Uh, especially in my formative years, I went to a Catholic school where it was 10 black people in the entire kindergarten through eighth grade Mm -hmm. class. And then going to like my all black church on Sundays and people like telling me, why do you talk so white? And it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't even know what that means. And I hate when people say that, but it's just like, I am only a product of like what I am around and so, like, I'm around nothing but white people for kindergarten through eighth grade. And then when I go into a black space and I don't know things, it's like, well, the things that I see every day are not the things that you have seen every day. And everyone just has a different experience, which is why I love, like, by people really kind of coming out and saying, we're not just one dimensional. This is not just one thing. And I think that that's what this movie does well, is kind of giving you a variety of black people in different kind of spaces and places. Like, you have the person who is um biracial you have the person who um is like married to a a white woman but like before was the quote-unquote gangster who like Mm. did all this Mm. awful stuff but now he's like a changed person you know and then you have like the corporate person who like i think um one of the girls was either a lawyer or an attorney Mm -hmm. something of that nature you know so i really enjoyed that it's like different a a, a spectrum you know of, of blackness um because that is real Yes, there are things that are a part of our culture, things that are near and dear to us, but that doesn't mean that we all have to hold on to that. Um, in, in a sense of like, if I don't know how to play space, it doesn't mean I'm not black. You know, I will be black regardless of what I do or do not know, especially in a sense of where we are in the world today. Like, if someone who doesn't like black people sees me, they're not going to be like, oh, well, you know, you're one of the good ones just by the fact that you do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, or mm-hmm. you don't know A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Like, all right, well, you're not black. I won't kill you today. Like, that's not what the reality of it is. Sure. It's just like, we're all, we're all here. And the first thing that comes forward is our blackness regardless. So I just really think that the movie did a really good job of it. And all that to say, to wrap that long tangent up is just that I absolutely relate to the toll that it can take on feeling like you are not a part of a space um, or a part of people that look like you because you don't know certain things. And it can really kind of like mess with you of how you operate in, in the world. I mean, I know a lot of times, again, and not to bring up like police brutality and all this stuff like that, because we're not going to be a Debbie Downer on here, but the fact that I definitely will use the fact that I'm in Hamilton as a way to be like, you know what I do for a living, like mm. this is this is how I am, like as a way to be like, okay, yes, can you please like not kill me today, mm-hmm. <laughs> for lack of mm-hmm. a better phrase, you know? But yeah. I mean, that's kind of the, the reality of it. It's just using things to to make sure that you can kind of like keep yourself safe in places that are not safe, sure. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of relates, and they do it a little bit in this movie, like code switching, especially around Officer White, where yes. they they just, they change the way that they are perceived um, in order to make other people feel more comfortable. Um, Absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about yeah, that in the movie? And, and yeah, yeah, same as before. Yeah, because, I, and I think it's great that they 
they say that, and I'm glad that you phrased it in that way, Brian, of like making people more comfortable. And I think that's where kind of the, um, we're just, you're just adapting in the moment, right? Like it's, it's literal survival skills. It's like adapting in the moment so that you, I can let you know that I am not threatening and that I am one of the quote unquote good ones and that, you know, you are safe in, in my presence. And it's really sucky that that has to be the thing, but it's very normal things that people talk about all the time within families or, you know, mom and dad talking to a kid about growing up and like, okay, well, when you're in this space, this is how you have to act or like, as opposed to you can just kind of be your authentic self when you are at home with people that you know, or your family. And so then you get kind of like a dual personality in that sense too, because it's Mm -hmm. like, who am I with my family as opposed to who am I out in public, as opposed to who am I at work, as opposed to who am I talking to authorities, you know? And so it can really, that's where the mental happens, right? Because Mm -hmm. you're different in all of these spaces and you're not really free to be your most authentic self because you're not making other people comfortable. And we always have to think about that. Like, how can we be more, um, uh, less threatening and more comfortable for other people so that we can, we can survive. And I think even with them having the conversation at the end about calling the police, it's, it is, you know, relevant because all these people are dead in this cabin in the woods and you just have this group of black people and you don't know what the response is going to be for that. Um, and so it's kind of like, okay, well, what's the next best thing? Because we need to kind of resolve this issue, but like, who can we call so that we're okay? You know? So I, I thought it was very good that they brought that into the fold because yeah, what, I wouldn't know what to do. I, to call the police or not. I mean, but calling the firefighter would not have thought about that, but also a hilarious ending. (laughs) On that note, we here on talking horror, we talk a lot about horror, but we also talk a lot about the fact that at the end of movies, like at the end of ready or not, or at the end of something Mm -hmm. else, like, like how are they not going to believe that you did this? And I know that this is a comedy, but it was very, 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 I don't know, satisfying in some ways that like they actually addressed the idea that like if we call the police, we are going to get blamed for this. Like exactly. Like, and, and I know that was more racially motivated in this one. Um, but I think it did. The difference is like that's something that these characters have to think about versus like the white characters in other movies where it's just like, I happy I got out of that one alive. Whereas like, right. And, and we, I think we discussed this when we talked about get out the alternate get out. And yes, um, hmm. uh, I mean, and, and, and we talked about this, but the scariest part of Get Out is when he survives it all. And then all this, all of a sudden you see the, the lights flashing in front of him. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So like, because you know that that's his demise, mm-hmm. you know, like he survived all of this, but he will absolutely not be believed that he was not involved in murdering, um, all these, all mm-hmm. these people, you know? Um, so I, to your point, yeah, Brian, I think it is great that they actually said something as opposed to just like, Poof, okay, we made it out alive. Now we're just going to go on about our day. It's like, well, no, <laughs> the next step is actually like, how are we going to transition from, you know, this, like what authorities are we going to bring in for this so that we can like, abs- like go about our lives because they can't just go home. I mean, and, and 
nobody's going to find the bodies, you know, right. like, or nobody's and then Cause it'll just backtrack to like, Oh, well the last people that were in the house, Oh, they fled the scene. Oh, they did it. You know? Mm. So mm. it's nice that it's like, okay, what, what can we do to kind of have a, a proper conclusion to all of this, as opposed to just being happy that you all survived <laughs> this. Yeah. So yeah. Fantastic. Well, well, should we do rotten tomatoes? Yeah, I think we should. Rotten Tomato. Rotten Tomato. Rotten Tomato. What do you think the Rotten Tomato score is for the blackening on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, Nikisha, what percent do you think this Rotten Tomato is? I'm going to say 70, and that might be shooting high. Uh, Jamie? Hmm, hmm, hmm. I'm going to say 67. This has an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. <gasps> wow. Yay! Why do we keep under undercutting all these movies? Well, because sometimes, you know, people be crazy. People be <laughs> crazy. Um, the critics' mm-hmm. consensus is, while it could stand to be a little funnier and quite a bit scarier, the blackening is a thoughtful satire that skewers horror tropes and racial stereotypes. I mean, scarier, yeah, but it was hilarious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the audience score is an 85%, so basically the same. And the audience wow. says, the blackening is a laugh-out-loud laugh horror comedy that's perfect for watching with a big group of friends. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Hands down. Yeah, definitely. Um, sh- Friend. Should we do the four S's? Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns, four S's. <laughs> okay, the four S's are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestion. Uh, one through ten, skulls is how does it handle mental health and human behavior. Scares is how scary was it. And shakes is how much will you shake it off? This is a one and done. Will you remember this one? Uh, Jamie, let's start with you. Sure. Um, for skulls, I gave this a six. Um, cause I think, you know, some, some peopling, some not so peopling, mm-hmm. um, somewhere, somewhere a little above the middle. Um, for scares, I originally wrote a one, but I'll, I'll give it a two. I think there were definitely some more moments of like light spookery, a jump for scare sure. or two that got me. But overall, I think that this was way more comedic than like true horror, like terrifying jump scary, um, but still some like tension built um, for shakes. I'm going to give this a five. I feel like this was like a really solid movie that, you know, I'm definitely going to recommend to other folks. And uh, yeah, I think it, it'll stick around, roll around in my head a little bit. Cool. Beautiful. Nikisha. Yeah. Uh, I got the same scores for the first two. Skulls a six and scares a two. For the same reason, also for scares, one of my friends who is easily scared screamed so loud, I forgot at what point, but at one of the jump scares, like, actively just screamed her head off, and it was the Mm. funniest thing ever. Uh, And then, Shakes, I'm going to give it a seven, because I just had a good old time, and I absolutely would watch this again and suggest it to other people. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I also gave this a six for skulls. I gave it a one for scares and I gave it a seven for shakes. Nice. Mm. Um, Suggestions. 
So many. <laughs> so, well, you okay, first. first off, I, I will just say I also had to look up because one of the questions, <clears throat> well, the first question was like what black people survived in horror movies. And I really was thinking about Brandy and I, I still know what you did last I, summer. I still know what you did. Yes, I still, mm-hmm. I still do. I do. I still, uh, I still know about it. And <laughs> I, I was correct. She does, she does stay alive. I get, sometimes I get her in that movie confused with Kelly Rowland in Freddy versus Jason because Kelly definitely died. Um, RIP. And I, think I saw uh, that one. Yes. Um, also, what we just recently watched, 13 Ghosts, um, mm-hmm. Rod Digga, she survived. <laughs> <laughs> She does, yeah. I'll never forget that ending where she's oh like breaking God. in and like tries to remix the weird yes. like soul music that's playing devil music. I don't even remember what it was. I don't either. <laughs> Finesse the machine and then it breaks. I mean, oh uh, God. and then of course Get Out. We've Chris, already mentioned that one. Yeah, too. Chris mm-hmm. in yeah, Get Out. So. Um, doesn't the um, uh, what's his name? The, her black friend in. Uh, uh, Night of the Demons, I think, survived from the 80s. Oh, I've never seen that. I've never seen that. I think he survives. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's a Google list of all Yeah, I'm sure there is. Um, but probably Slim Pickens. Truly Slim Pickens, but it's all good. <laughs> um, but what were your suggestions? Those, I all those. Oh, and yeah. then also just like scary movie, the scary movie, scary movie, Marlon Wayans, like... Bebops. Um, and then they reference Scream 2 at the beginning because oh, yeah. they thought that Jada lives. And I'm like, that's the first 10 minutes of the movie. Like, that how was, do you forget I, that they die? That's literally the beginning dumb. of the movie. That's so I was dumb. like, what? Yeah. That annoyed I me. Imagine a world, very. I imagine a world where he never made it past the opening sequence. <laughs> Truly. And so like he like retconned it in his head. But I agree. That was like a wild that was almost a little too unbelievable for that to be the reference at the beginning. Same. Exactly. Yeah. It's like I get that you're <laughs> trying to make a point of like the two stars and dying. Yeah. But like, like you mm. can't just say, Yeah, Jada Pink and Li- no. <laughs> yeah. Wait, do you want I found two lists that have <laughs> black actors whose characters survived in horror yes, movies? Definitely. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So <clears throat> this one has seven. This is a medium article. Mm-hmm. Uh, number seven, Loretta Divine, Urban Legends Final Cut. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Great one. Wasn't Final Cut the sequel? Yeah, so I guess she survives both because I've never seen the sequel. Wow. Good for her. That's great. <laughs> wow, That's Loretta. a great one. I need nothing that else is. from that list. <laughs> right. Um, great. Okay, we're done. Um, <laughs> Dwayne Martin in Scream 2. Oh, As, but they also say Jada Pinkett Smith and Omar Epps meet their demise within the opening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Tay Diggs in House on Haunted Hill. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Keith David in The Thing. Oh, right. That's a good one. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, Brandy and I still know. I still know. I still know. I still know. <laughs> um, Another one I haven't seen, uh, Bust Rhymes and Halloween Resurrection. Oh, yeah. Got it. Um, and then Daniel Kaluuya is number one on that list. I'm trying to see if this other list has any other any other care. Oh, oh. L Cool J, Deep Blue Sea. Oh, yeah. Good one. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Ice Cube, Anaconda. Right. Yes. Good one. 
uh, Collins Penny Prom Night, the remake from 20, 2008. Mm, the one with Britney Snow. Oh, I did mm-hmm. watch that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Jay the Pinkett Smith does survive Tales from the Crypt colon Demon Night, 1995. For her. No, that was a thing. <laughs> um, Edwin Hodge, The Purge. Uh-huh. Mm. Um, Halle Berry Gothica. Oh, I've never man. seen oh that. That's not a okay. good I've never seen movie. it. I also don't know the it twist, so don't bad. spoil it because I will watch it at some point. But yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Tis bad. Um, this is also has Seven on it, so Morgan Freeman from Seven. Uh, oh, I, don't, okay. I don't know if I agree uh. with that. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, I agree that he survived. I don't know if I would include that. <laughs> Do you think it's a horror movie? Yeah. Mm. I mean, mm. yeah. yeah. And he's not like part of the, the thing. So it's like you got to be in the line of fire and survive in order to be a survivor. Uh, yeah. Like yeah. I'm, I, a lot of these like mm-hmm. are more like slasher, like picking people off one by one. Right. Yeah. Fantastic. Cool. Do you have suggestions, Brian? Um, well, Jamie, did you have suggestions or was that list? Your oh, suggestions? sorry. Um, I mean, I, <clears throat> we mentioned it earlier, but I think like this definitely brings about scary movie vibes in my brain. Mm-hmm. But again, I think part of that is because scream and scary movie have become so intertwined in my brain mm-hmm. that I can't disentangle them. Yes. Um, but yeah, cause I was toying with the idea of like, do I think that this is, uh, like today, like a more contemporary scary movie where mm-hmm. it's like parodying parody, blah, 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 blah. I can't say that word parodying but it's so it's it's also like not a parody like we talked about and is is more of its own thing Mm -hmm. but that was Mm -hmm. the first that was like something that i kind of kept coming back to beauty that's mine cool okay Um, fantastic yeah that's great i don't my suggestion is that that list was really good I mean, if you like, yes, uh, (laughs) I guess all like very different, but like you, I guess you can also watch Cabin in the Woods, uh, just in terms Mm. of like a a good semi comedy that is is its own thing. I don't know, but that list was actually really good with all the survivors. I like that one. Um, cool. Fantastic. Well, that ends our episode of The Blackening. You can Woo-hoo. follow us on all social medias at Talk Horror Pod, on the Instagram, on the Twitter, on the TikTok. Please follow us on TikTok so we can get to 15K, guys, Woo-hoo. at Talk Horror Pod. And Brian, where can they listen to us? You can listen to us wherever you get podcasts like Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And thank you. And just remember that gayness is just whiteness wrapped up in a bunch of dicks. <laughs> oh, catch it, catch it, catch it, catch it. <laughs> oh, oh, Bye, guys. O'Reilly's <laughs> auto parts. Auto parts. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.